0: Sabbath, everyone. I, um, during this week, I think I changed my sermon topic maybe three times. Um, there's, there's so much going on, and today is, is not the simplest day to be preaching uh, a sermon. Um, and fortunately or unfortunately, I, I'm the one to do it. <laughs> I, and I, I don't have any, um, I don't have deep answers politically or information-based for you today. Um, but what I do have for you today, I think, is hope and joy and mushrooms. Now, um, what does mushrooms have to do with any of this? Um, I guess we'll see. Um, so that being said, let's let's pray and uh, we'll get into it. Dear Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here today. What a privilege to be safe in a in a in a building that's warm enough, surrounded by people who care about us. We shared a few a few snacks this morning, a, a breakfast. After church, we're probably gonna go home, have a diff- another meal, probably a warm meal. Help us not to take that for granted. Whatever we do today, may we think about those that are suffering around the world, not just in, in Ukraine, but today specifically, Ukraine. Be with them, Lord, be with us here today. May we be the, the start of making a difference so that what's happening there doesn't happen here. Amen. It seems strange to be talking about something so mundane as mushrooms on, on a weekend filled with, with a lot of uh, troubles around the world, but let me make it clear that this topic, while simple or maybe um, in the first part a little bit confusing, is important and deeply meaningful and necessary right now. Um, If you didn't know, mushrooms are the great connectors. Unbeknownst to most of us, these fungi, as a a mycologist says it, I used to think think it was fungi, but it's fungi, are deeply connected to their biomes. They're deeply connected to their biomes and their communities. They're connected by a, a wood wide web. I didn't say that incorrectly. I meant it literally—a wood-wide web. We know that they assist in the decomposing of carbon-based materials such as fallen trees or, or dead insects, but the way that they are deeply connected is through something called mycelium. Now, mycelium, uh, as as we look at the anatomy of a mushroom, uh, we can see that the mycelium kind of represent um, the roots that we would see on a tree, or a plant, or a flower. They, they, they spread out absorbing nutrients to help the mushroom, the fruiting body, um, build up and grow. Today, uh, I want to focus a little bit on two things. The fruiting body, which is that mushroom that we see. Some, some are safe to eat, some are not. Some are beautiful, some are strange. And the mycelium which spreads out and allows this process to happen. Mycelium, uh, just to read a little description that they have online, like roots, this is an expanding web of thread-like filaments which absorb nutrients. This is the main growing structure of the fungus. So, So it's not that mushroom that you see. It wasn't the red one that we saw on the slide before. It's, it's not that, it's, it's the mycelium. They are the main part. And there are so many different shapes and types and colors of mushrooms around the world and they, and they all serve different purposes and they all grow in different places and different climates and they all kind of have their own unique styles and, and, and ways of, that they do things. They're not all the same, and some get rather big. Uh, that looks pretty big. And in fact, if you were to search one of the largest living organisms on earth, it's actually a mushroom. Armillaria ostoyae, or the honey mushroom, is what it's called. It was on that first slide. Uh, there it is. Largest organism in the world. But like I said before, it's not this part That is the biggest. It's what the mycelium. So, guess where this is? Does anyone know? In what state? It is in the U.S. It is in the state of Oregon. It resides in a national forest, and it and it occupies an area of two thousand three hundred eighty-five acres. So, like it says there, three point five square miles. That's incredible. But again, why am I talking about mushrooms? <laughs> why am I talking about this? Well, don't worry. We'll get there. Uh, but first, I want to read a little bit with you. If you would turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, verses 12 to 32. And when you get there, say, Or amen, either one. So we're starting in verse 12 of chapter 17. Now this chapter may be familiar to a lot of you. In fact, if you're searching through certain Bibles, there might even be a title for this chapter. What I'm guessing most of you see is David and Goliath. Now we talked before about what the important part of the mushroom was. It wasn't that fruiting body that was red. It was the mycelium the things that were happening in the background. So let's see if we can spot it today in this chapter of God's word. Now we're starting again in verse 12 of chapter 17. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem and Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, in the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years, referring to Jesse. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to battle. And the names of, of the sons, the three sons who went to battle, were of the firstborn, the next to him Abinadab, and the third youngest Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days the Philistines came forward and, and took the Philistine, referring to uh, Goliath specifically, one Philistine, came forward and took his stand morning, and evening. Something that we've missed in the first uh, 11 verses of this chapter is that Goliath has been repeatedly coming and and insulting Israel. Not only the the soldiers, but their God. Continuing in verse 17, and Jesse said to David his son, take for your brothers an epa of this parched grain, and these 10 loaves, and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take Take these 10 cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the Valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines and David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him the same words, the same insults to the soldiers. The same insults to their God. Continuing in verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. How encouraging do you think that statement was by a soldier who was running away? Probably not very encouraging. They were probably trembling as they said it. 26, verse 26. And David said to the man who stood by him, So what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, so shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And and David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul and he sent for him. Last verse we'll read together, 32. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. I think that we can all agree that what we've just read together is not the flashiest part of this story, correct? That comes a little bit later. We see David collect stones. And then he slays the giant. But we have just read something so important. Would you agree with me also if I said that the Spirit of the Lord was with David, not just when he was fighting Goliath, but since he was protecting his sheep at home? Would you agree with me? I think that's true. I take that to mean that the decisions and the actions that David took prior to his fight with Goliath were according to God's will. The action I'm referring to, you may have have missed if we were reading. It's David's communication with the army. Let's look at how interesting this is. He was going around talking to more and more people. His brothers chastised him. He didn't care. He kept on talking to people. And I think his words were a little bit different than the soldiers' words. The soldiers said, hey, if uh, anyone wants to fight this guy, uh, we'll give him a lot of money and land and the king's daughter. Everyone cool with that? And the soldiers are shaking in their boots, their spears rattling against their shields. But David came, calm, sure of himself, full of the spirit of the Lord, confident that he could conquer this. Why? Not because he had the power to do so but because he knew that his God, his God had the power to conquer this great evil that stood before in defiance in the face of God. And not only did he speak to the soldiers, they listened to him. A boy who had just come from tending sheep, he probably wasn't wearing army gear. Soldiers in full army gear, probably taller than him, stronger than him, who had been more sure of themselves. Listen to this small boy talk about slaying a giant. And it impacted them so much that they couldn't help but respond to him. They couldn't help it. This message was heard And communicated so well that it made its way directly to the king. This was a powerful message, and it was defiant to the Philistines. And it was a powerful message in the face, directly in the face of fear and calamity. These words were probably encouraging and comforting to those who heard them, even though he was just stating what was already happening. But God knew the inner workings here. God knew that if David said it in a certain way, that his message could be transformative and courageous. I'd like to show you a map. Uh, can anyone tell me where that is? If you said "Brunswick, Maine," you're correct. That is a map. Of Brunswick, Maine. There are plenty of people living in this area right now, and many of them are probably fearful. Maybe less so, or more so, or equal to the fear that the Israelite soldiers felt when they saw Goliath for the first time, and then saw him come day, day after day, repeatedly, Insulting them to their faces and insulting their God. The people of Brunswick, their personal Goliaths are, are, are numerous. I don't know all of them. How could I? Maybe some of them are fearful of, of, of the ongoing pandemic. Maybe they're fearful of the war that's erupting in, in Eastern Europe. Maybe they have family members that live in Ukraine that are currently suffering or misplaced. Or have no idea what to do right now. Maybe they're also worried about the economic impact that all this is going to have. W- will I have a job in the months to come? W- will I be able to afford my mortgage? I-, I just purchased a house here. They may say, I didn't purchase a house. But there are countless reasons for them to be afraid right now. So, where's David? Where's the hope that he brought to the Israelite soldiers when they faced their Goliath? I'd, I'd like to make another presumption and, and argument that the hope that people are searching for is currently in this building. Not exclusively in this building, but today there is a high concentration of hope here. The Spirit of the Lord is here with us. We've invited Him here today. The Spirit of the Lord, like the mycelium of mushrooms, reaches out hopeful that, that it'll make an impact in our community. It wants to be part of us. That's, that's actual mapping of mycelium that you see there. That's what it looks like Underground. And that's not only mycelium, it's connected deeply to the roots of its community. Mycelium, which is really interesting, I think God did, this, God did this on purpose, if not just for today in general, mycelium doesn't just help itself. It nurtures, it spreads nutrients. In fact, trees in a forest If a tree is strong and it knows that it's strong and it has spare nutrients and through mycelium senses that there is a weaker tree, that tree through the channels of the mycelium will send nutrients to that weak tree to make it strong. Mycelium is a scaffolding that makes sure a forest community is strong and remains strong. This right here. This is our role as Christians. God created us to be be the, the vessels, the conduits through which His Spirit goes out to His people. That's why here at church we love God and love people. That's why we do outreach Sabbath. Not because it makes us feel better about ourselves but because it's needed. It's necessary. We need to do it. There are people walking through the valley of the shadow of death right now. And if we're stuck staring at the mushroom, the fruiting body, we aren't going to see how useful and important the slow and steady hum of mycelium is. The spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is working in our lives to impact not only ourselves, but those around us in miraculous ways that create the most beautiful mushroom miracles that you have ever laid your eyes on. I'm almost done talking about mushrooms, I promise. But one of those miracles that God has made for this earth is you. You are a walking miracle. You are a testament to the Spirit of the Lord. And there are so many different people here of different varieties, of of different skills, of of different styles and methods of doing things. And we're we're so beautiful too. We, we We have so much to offer this broken world around us. If we would just take the time. But something to note is is that, yes, we are needed. But if we aren't helping the community with the gifts, the beautiful gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us to spread and to nurture with and make the weak strong, if we're not doing that, we are actively deciding to be spectators. Spectators. And not recipients of everlasting life. I'm telling you today that we need to do this. We need to spread out. We need to be part of our community in such a way that if we were torn out, there would be an uproar, there would be rioting. Where did they go? Where did our hope go? We can't lose this hope, Brunswick. But the good thing is I don't think we will. I look around at the at the people here today and I have hope. I really do. And I have joy. And I have love and I have peace in my heart knowing that this church that has embraced me so deeply is the same church that has the opportunity to go out and love this community. So let's make new connections. Like the mycelium would. Let's try new new things or frequent new places or meet new people. In this way, we strengthen them in ourselves and spread further and further the gospel message of hope and truth. The gospel is so powerful when we share it earnestly. You better believe that like David, when he spread the message, there will be a response from our community maybe you'll be even called to the king's chamber or the mayor to share your hope directly with them today we have the opportunity to share hope today's outreach sabbath may we not let it pass us by i have one more thing that i would like to share with you um Two things about myself. My, my first favorite thing in the whole world is people. I just like spending time with people. I like playing board games. I like eating with them. I like joking with them. I just like being around people. And the second part, the second most favorite thing that I have in the world is music. And I think that, that's a gift that God has given me. So I'd like to share a, a song with you today. A song that I hope brings you hope and peace and comfort. Heart, I have cried. Hear my prayer and speak with my hands. I have tried, but my flesh is weak. You've called me yours. everyone. You're with us all along. I am yours and yours great I am Abide with me Abide with me All I could want Is you Is you Oh, all I could want Is you One is you. All that I need is you. Since what you speak is truth, all I could want is you. All that I want is you. All that I need is you. Since what you speak is truth, all I could want is all I could want is you. Your Enough more than I need. All I could want is you. The great I am, abide with me, abide with us. Inspire heads quickly. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your spirit residing in us please don't let us take this for granted. What a divine opportunity to spread your word out like like the mycelium does. May we not be able to help but spring forth words of encouragement to those around us. May it be irresistible to us to share in the ways we know best as different people. Some of us may share literature. Some of us may pray. Some of us may spend time with people. Some of us may play pickleball or go birding or look at mushrooms. Whatever it is, God, may our specific way, may the gifts that you've given us be the way that we reach our local community here in Brunswick. Thank you for what you're already doing, what you will do, and what you have done. In your name we pray, amen. you were blessed by today's message for more content or to connect with us visit us online at brunswickadventist.church